Okay, stop tapping. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, anyways. I have rhythm. Hello, and welcome back to season two, episode five. Thank you, Cecilia, of pursuing the cornerstone. You We're still a haven't fixed it today. on Spotify, though, bro. I don't know how to fix that. It's probably too late now. It is too late. That's why I should be the production manager and not just hey. the speaker. You can take it over if you would Maybe like. Maybe if your computer oh, hadn't broken not. in midway through last time, you would still be the production manager. The computer. Oh, that's right. It was because like the memory <laughs> on my computer well, was freaking out. Because you had the Chromebook back then. <laughs> yeah, and I have this fancy laptop that I don't want. So. Hey, shout out mom and dad. Anyways. Shout um, out blessings. <laughs> we are blessing. doing things a little differently today. Cecilia and I are I together. honestly don't like it. I don't like it. Oh. Robert doesn't like the Sicilian and I you wanna, are enjoying Do you want to understand the reason I don't like it? He feels left out. Do you feel left out? No, 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 no. The reason I don't like it is because typically whoever's with the other person ends up taking the side of the other person they're with and then the ganging up <laughs> appears. No, hold on. The majority of the time, I was just thinking about this the other day. I think I have the raw end of the deal because you're the middle child and you choose which sister you want to team up with and then the other one gets the raw end of the deal. It has nothing well, to except for, and I very, you guys are both up. there. You've already roasted me this morning. You're like, whoa, you Robert, can't handle watch your attitude. I was like, so what? You can't I was like, I didn't even say anything. I was just trying to make like a, I was trying to make a general statement. You guys just came after me. I didn't know what was that's, going on. That's false, just so everyone knows. He's no, that's legit. I'm sure, I'm Robert sure can't the, take it because we don't be, we don't gang up on him very often. I'm sure my <laughs> FBI agent can take it or whoever's recording this conversation. Okay. We Anyways, we're two minutes in and we have not started talking about I'm, anything productive. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't like this already. Okay. Like, I think you guys need to go sit in separate rooms so then that way I can take <laughs> no, sides. I don't think the Wi-Fi here. Yeah, that, that's too so. much. Too much for church Wi-Fi. Is there All right. a booster? Anyways. Um, this week I am still in Exodus and I was reading through Exodus 32 and in verse eight, it says they have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshiped it and have sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So as I was reading this, obviously like not that much sooner in Exodus, we hear that God had appeared to the Israelites, um, through the cloud of fire. Um, on the mountain and the Israelites could see that um, and could hear they could hear God audibly speaking right I think it was like thunder I mean they could hear noise. they could hear the noise of God and um the noise of then, God then we hear in this chapter that um as they've they've experienced this but then as soon as Moses is gone for 40 days so it's only been 40 days without Moses and they decide to construct this this golden calf which we've all heard the story of the golden calf but it just struck me because the idol obviously did not exist the day before. And yet it was easier for them to worship this idol and to give it credit to God for saving them than to actually turn to God who they have experienced in presence and who they have seen work in their lives multiple times in these huge miraculous ways. So it was easier for them to worship this idol and to give credit to this idol than to worship God who had already done so many great things for them. And so Robert might disagree with my wording here, and that's okay. We can talk about that. But I do, because this is also, part of the thing I was already ganged up on this morning. So Okay, well, let me just pose the question first. So <laughs> as I was reading this, I think I was starting to think about my own life and then just lives I've seen. And I just feel like it is so much easier to, I'm going to say trust, Robert's going to disagree, to put our trust or to um, worship 
other things, material things, than it is to worship or trust, depending on which person you're talking to, God. And yeah, I was just curious what Cecilia and Robert thought about this and if they've seen the same thing or if this is a seclusive exclusive experience to me. So what well, do y'all you think? To, what's idolatry, Abigail? Give me Those a definition. Give well, me a dumb down. When I was when I was thinking of this, the idolatry obviously in Old Testament idolatry is is a huge deal in terms of they're building statues and they're building they're building physical things to look at and to worship. But I would say idolatry isn't talked about a lot today, but it's still very present. But maybe we we put our identity or we worship things other than God anything that aren't as materialistic. Anything that we put ahead of God, I think, is, is an idol. Well, an idol. according to Google, which is always right, because I Googled this part of my preparing for this podcast this morning, Google says, extreme admiration, love, or reverence for something or someone. So you have extreme admiration for a golden calf or something other than God. So I'm a firm believer, and I'm sure you guys are too, that we were all created with a hole in our heart for Jesus. And if you read Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we were literally created for Jesus. Something going on over there We're that I didn't know about. <laughs> so, anyways, if you read that, if you hear that last part, because I, they're totally not listening to me. Created <laughs> through him and for him, so we were created for God. So this, this, he created us for him. So we would have, we, we are supposed to have, or the number one thing in our life is supposed to be, we're supposed to have extreme admiration, love, or reverence for some, for something, and that something is God. But instead, we use that love that was meant for God for something else. And that's where you get the golden calf. So even though God loved the Israelites so much that he took them out of bondage, it was going to take them to the promised land, which is exactly what he's doing for us in our lives. Because guess what? We're in bondage to sin and he's going to take us to the promised land, heaven. We still make idols. We still miss the love that that takes. Well, I just think like when you think about all the things the Israelites had seen, so yeah, they were in bondage in Egypt for a long time, but they had seen all the plagues. They had seen, you know, Passover and how God saved them when they put the blood over their house. They had seen God part the Red Sea. They had seen the cloud of fire, smoke, and the Exodus fire, 20. Like that was going ahead of them. They had seen, you know, the glory of God basically descend on the mountain. And when things weren't going their way and God wasn't moving fast enough for them, even after all the things they had seen, and even though they had experienced God's great love, they still thought they could do it on their own. Well, and was, I'm just... Immediate satisfaction. They were pursuing immediate results when the promised land was a little while away. And if they would have just been a little more patient and loved God for what he was doing for them and appreciated it, things might have turned out differently. So very much agree with everything that you guys have said. But I guess I'm just curious because like I look at the Israelites and I think how in the world could you go from God on the mountain to now you're building a golden calf to, to worship instead of God. And I, I think I judge them pretty harshly. And I would say we all judge them pretty harshly for that. But like, even in my own life, like 
I agree with Robert. I think we have this, we have this hole in our hearts that's only Jesus can fill. And I think everyone is seeking that, but people seek it in different places. Um, so if you don't know the Lord, you're going to seek it in other things. But even like as a Christian, as someone who wants to seek the Lord, I still struggle so much to, to make my first instinct to trust God, as opposed to trusting my own abilities, trusting my own pride, whatever it is, whatever my quote unquote idol would be. You're you're not, you're not, you're not with the trust. You're not with the trust. No, I I understand what you're saying in terms of trust. So you're saying you put your faith in your own abilities instead of God's. I would say that would be my idol. Is that, is that what you're going with that? I think that's my, that would be a modern day idol. Admiration, love, or reverence for yourself. I would say that would be my idol. idol. Yes. Okay. And I just. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week, though, with the humility. And you have to you have to come to that realization that you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Carry on, keep talking, keep. I'm listening. Like, I'm trying to. No, I just I wrap my mind around this. I the passage that came to mind when I thought about this, or like the example that came to mind, is Judas Iscariot, because he literally walked with Jesus for three years. He walked by our Savior's side, and he was taught by him, and he knew that what Jesus was teaching was right. But we see as we get closer and closer to Jesus' resurrection that he was stealing money from the other disciples and from Jesus, and then that, that he betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So I think you can look at that and say that, yeah, G- Judas knew that Jesus was important, but ultimately that money that he wanted became more important. And so I think that's a good example of you can know Jesus and you can walk with Jesus, but then you can still decide that something earthly is more important. Well, it, it's, it's missing Jesus. That, that's, I, I think that's the whole, the whole concept behind this is you miss the large picture. Of, you miss the broad scope of what Jesus did. You miss the love. You miss the grace. You miss what, what he had to give up for you. And you don't understand the depth of that love. And because you don't understand the depth of that love and you can't wrap your mind around the depth of the love that Jesus had for you to die on the cross for you so you can have eternity in him and to have the fruits of the spirit and to have this life and these rewards in heaven, you completely miss that. And so then you fill that hole with that, all that love and admiration you should have for this person who died for you, who gave you eternity, who took your sin, took your shame from you. Instead of, instead of realizing that, and putting your love towards the person who did that for you, you don't understand it. You can't comprehend the depth of the love. So you apply that to something else in your life. And mm-hmm. that's where idols come from. So because like myself, so let's say my idols myself. So because I don't, I can't meet Jesus in the cross. Like I don't understand the crucifixion and what that took for God to send his son to die for me. Because I don't understand that instead of using that love that God and that put in, put in us, gave to us, for his son, for himself, I use it towards earthly things. And what does that lead to? That leads to death and destruction and pain and suffering. When in reality, if I understood, if I truly understood the love that it took for Jesus to die on the cross for me, I would apply that extreme admiration, love or reverence for him. And that would completely eliminate idols from my life. Not that it would be easy to, to, to do that. Like this is not an easy thing, but you have to understand the love that it took for Jesus to die on the cross for you for you to make that your idol in the way to you, you have to fill that hole, that admiration you have with Jesus instead of myself or whatever you worship, TV, celebrities, fame, fortune, whatever it is. 
I would say going off what Robert's saying, I know this is one thing that Cecilia had mentioned as an example um, of this, but I think what Robert's kind of hitting on here is like we see the Pharisees in the New Testament. They knew the word of God, knew the law. They knew the law better than anyone else. They spent their entire lives devoted to learning the law and following the law. And yet Jesus was on earth and they were the ones who ended up putting him on the cross. These people who are supposed to be followers of God, um, religious leaders. And it was because they missed, they missed Jesus. But more than that, they missed the relationship that's necessary with Jesus. And so like we can know the laws of scripture and we can know the do's and the don'ts of life. But if you're lacking that relationship with Jesus, then I think it's, it would be impossible to say that you would not have an idol outside of that. Because I think that's, that's kind of the key that they were missing. And I think that's kind of what Robert's hitting on here too. Like you're talking about that love and admiration. I don't think you get love and admiration for God just through knowing the laws of scripture. I think that comes with a relationship with God. Robert disagrees. Well, I think if you start bringing up the law, you, you miss like, that's, I mean, that's one thing that drives me crazy is there's so many sects of sex that as in like types of way to worship Jesus and everyone has their own rules and everyone has all this junk but what they miss is they love they miss the grace they miss the whole purpose of Jesus when you start applying rules and stuff to to the church you miss the love and the grace of Jesus yeah but that's what she's saying though like yeah that, that's, that, okay yeah no that's what I'm but I'm saying like it, it's it's I, I understand what she's saying that's what I'm saying it's just like when, but people get so caught up in those rules and laws and we do it this way and whatever, whatever, that they miss this love. And that's where idols come in. Because if you think about it, how you worship like your church as in like building or how you worship could become your idol because you you become so caught up in it. Like the Pharisees, like their idol was the law. And that same thing can happen today, which is a wild concept. I'm trying to think about this in practical application in my own life. And I think it's really easy, even if you think you understand, like, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to completely fathom, like, the love that Jesus had for you. And I understand Absolutely what you're not. saying and how that comes as an adultery. But, like, even in my own life, like, it's very, I can see how it can be very easy. And I'm sure there's been times where my family, my my son and my husband very easily take that first place in my life over Jesus because that's what I'm what I'm dealing with and that's not right and I have to refocus but that but that or like you know like the idea of wanting more money so I so I'm no longer focused on Jesus and all of those things are not tangible idols that you can see but I also think we have to talk about too like with this the people like there's so many people New Testament Old Testament I've been reading in the book of Acts like we've talked about Acts 17 before and Paul goes and these people want to find something to worship so badly that they're even putting up idols to an unknown God. They're mm -hmm. searching out for God. And I think even idolatry, as far as like in Old and New Testament, where people were really reaching out, trying to find God and they, and they, they were missing it. It wasn't right, but they were, you know, searching that. And that's what you've been saying is like within us, we all have an innate desire to worship something. And so we do have to fill that with something. And I think a well, lot of people in our culture just look to themselves, like Abigail was saying, mm -hmm. like your desire and what you think, there's no moral standard for anything, but whatever you think is true and right is becomes 
what you want to worship and serve. And that can cause a lot of problems in your life too. Yeah. That's what I was kind of like, that's what I was thinking about with this whole thing when I was reading this is like, I mean, I've said on here before, but like oftentimes I look at the Israelites and I judge them so harshly, yet we are the Israelites. And so the frustration I've had in my life is it feels like sometimes even the things I'm doing to seek God become the idol in place of God. So like, even like sometimes reading my Bible, I'm not reading it for the sake of knowing God and having that relationship with God. I'm knowing it for the sake of saying that I read my Bible that day and I'm not, I'm, I'm worshiping that as opposed to worshiping God himself. And I think that's what I was trying to get out with this whole point was like, that's one of the most frustrating things I've seen in my life is it feels like, obviously we all have this desire for God, for, for something higher than ourselves to serve and to worship. And even like, that's the whole point of like the old Testament and like Kings and stuff. Like God continually was rising up new Kings because the people wanted a tangible King on earth to follow. And then they would do something poor. So God would rise up another one. And that's where Jesus comes in as he fulfills that. And he is the only King we, we should serve. But it's still so easy to put other things in place of that. And that's that was kind of the whole frustration I had when reading this. Is I was frustrated at the Israelites only recognizing that I'm seeing myself in them in this well, that, situation. That's, that's my whole point of I took the love side of this because people to have the conception that religion is a formalized structure of rules and readings. And you go to church and you do these things every single day. You do it in this order. You can't wear your hat in there. You can't eat your donuts in there. You can't drink your coffee in the sanctuary. You have to sing songs without instruments and all this stuff. But in actuality, the whole point of this this thing of Jesus is the relationship and the love that Jesus has for you, like God has for you, and that you have for him. It, it's, it's about that love. You know, I, I always go back to Acts 15, where there were some Gentiles who were new believers, new Christians. And then there were some Jews who were some new Christians who were no longer, you know, Jews. They were part of the church, the new, the new founded church after Jesus died, was buried and rose again. And there were some arguments going on because the, the Jews were like, these Gentiles need to go get circumcised, be part of this church. And so they take it to the council of Jerusalem. And James has this judgment and he, he goes through what the prophets say about things. And then, he, he gives this this advice. It, it says, um, he writes a letter and sends it to him. It says, the apostles and the brethren who are elders of the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Sicily, who are from the great, I can't, I definitely did not say that right, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of your of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsealing your souls, it seemed good to us having become of one mind to select a man to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report to you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to us to lay upon you no greater burden than the essentials, that you abstain from the things sacrificed to idols and from the blood and from things strangled from the for- and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So they're like, why are you trying to burden these, these people? And they have Jesus, and that's what's important. So I, I think that's what we, we get, like Abigail said, but sometimes we make try to make it like a rule book and then make that our idol instead of the actual love for Jesus. And it's about the relationship. Life's about the relationships. What's that verse I read to you last week, Abigail, after the podcast? Mm-hmm. Second I don't remember. Corinthians 11. 
11.3. It says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. This is awesome. From the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Focus on the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ instead of all these worldly things. And focus on the love because crucifixion, that's tough. (laughs) It's hard to wrap your mind around. So I don't disagree with you, but I do think that the law had a place. I'm not saying that you're not saying that, but the law is what helped us understand the oh, love and the grace that Jesus gives us. So Galatians uh, 3. That's in Romans 2. says that therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. So if, if God hadn't put the law, God put the law in place because these are like, that was their their reality. Like they did have to follow these laws and these rules. And if they didn't, they had to go sacrifice. And it was a bloody business to be a priest. Like what a tangible way to see that it took blood in order to cover your sins. Right. And so, and even like God, he wasn't, he, his presence was in the temple. Right. And so he even had a temple where it was very tangible for people to see and to understand what was going on. And because of the example even like what abigail was saying she sees herself in the israelites and that's what we're supposed to do because the israelites you know show us like our sinful nature is to constantly hey god's doing this god's doing that god's doing this but i want to do this instead or i want to follow this instead and so the law was laid out so that we could see like how number one how blessed we are but also to understand really the enormous amount of sacrifice that jesus went through in order for us to no longer be under that and i think we we are no longer under law, but it also no. says, you know, Jesus tells us to keep his commandments. And so it's not just, well, I believe in Jesus and I can go. And I'm not saying this is what you're saying. That we Definitely can go not what I'm saying, him. because if you do that, then you miss the love. Because if you truly love someone, you're not going to want to hurt them. Or like, like with your marriage, like if you, since you truly love Adam, you're not going to do something that would hurt him or, you know, or like, you know, cheat on him or anything like that, because you love that's the love that keeps you from doing those things carry on well just like, the idea that's, that, like, that's why like you can't go willy-nilly because the love carry on sorry no it's fine and i understand what you're saying but i think the idea is like i love jesus so if i love jesus as much as i do which is not perfect love because only jesus has perfect love so like i love jesus as much as i do then why do i still screw up and that's and I know the answer to that question and you do, but I think that's what has to be addressed here is like, you can love Jesus a ton, but we are yes. still, and we're supposed to become more like Jesus, but there's still so much, there's still so much growth that has to happen. And there's still so much screwing up that I screw up every day. Yes. Oh, and, I do too. And, that, and, but, and I think but that you, that's like, but that doesn't mean you're having an idol just because you sin, but that means no, like, it's just constantly no. replacing those sinful natures with, scripture or filling it up with Jesus so that you're no longer like that. Well, and I think, I think one thing too, that I I think is interesting here to say as well, is like, if you read in the old Testament with the Israelites, like one of the main inferences you could probably make about why they make all these idols is not because they don't love God. It's because they want a less demanding God. Like the love of God demands a lot out of us. And so like the Israelites, a lot of times made idols because not because they didn't love god but because they wanted a less demanding god and i think we are the same way like they wanted to be like the world yeah like well and the world had it easy because it didn't have to follow these laws and it had to be you know above these things and i think we're the same way today like it's not that like i don't love god i love god it's that 
I, God demands a lot out of me. God demands my whole life. And sometimes it's just easier if I go to what doesn't demand all my time. And what doesn't demand all my time a lot of times becomes my idols because it becomes my priority. And it's not because I don't love God. It's just because God demands a lot out of us. And when you look at the world and they're not having to follow those demands, it is so tempting to put aside anything that God has told us and go follow the world because it demands a whole lot less out of us. And obviously you have to have that eternal perspective of like, God demands this now for eternal life. But it is so easy. This is where it's so hard to be a Christian in the world because it is so easy to fall astray because it demands less out of us. And I think that that almost hits on like the idols. Like that's that's where that all comes from. Is not this, this is, a lack these of are, love. It's this is, a demand from God. Well, this is exactly what we've been like. The whole first podcast was what eternal satisfaction, and then we went to um, the last podcast. We talked about priorities. So this this is all leading up to this. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's you don't love Jesus. It's that you don't understand the depth of His love. Yeah. Does yeah, that make I sense? It, it, it's not. I'm not saying oh you don't love Jesus enough or it's that we as humans don't comprehend the love that he has for us. The well, unwavering love to the point where, to the point where we can sin against him and we do do these things and we, he still, there's still this thing called grace where we still are, have eternal internal life through him, even though we do screw up. Yeah. And it, and, and my point is, is like, if you truly, if you truly can, comprehend which you will never be able to but the more you understand the love and then what it took for him to die for you the less you'll want to screw up the less you will screw up because you you, you don't want to disappoint him you don't want to you don't want to sin against your, your husband because we're called the bride of christ like you don't want to di- like do anything to disappoint your husband sorry my bible's sticking together um yeah that was an awful sound i'm sorry but, it reminds yeah. me of uh i can't remember where it's at in scripture where it talks about like just as the parent disciplines the child. Well, there's a verse in scripture. Cecilia's going to try to find it for me where it talks about how, like when a parent disciplines a child, so God disciplines us and it's not, God isn't disciplining us because he doesn't love us. It's because out of his discipline, we will grow. And it's because of his love that we are disciplined. It's even because of God's love that there has to be death for sin. Like that's all a part of God's love and justice and mercy. But Proverbs thirteen twelve Perfect. says, "For the Lord disciplines the one He loves, as a parent disciplines his their ch- their children." Yeah, like I think that's that's kind of what you're hitting on too, Robert. Like we don't understand. I mean, obviously that doesn't necessarily talk about His magnitude of love, but that's even a form of God's love that we can't understand because in our minds, discipline is okay. negative. Yeah. No, I I really like what I've been trying to because I feel like we've kind of been. We've all been going around the same point, but we don't feel like we're on the same page. And that's why I like what Abigail said is because I think the Israelites are a perfect example of this. Like, yes, they see what God is doing. And yes, they want to follow God and they are God's people, but they are screwed up. And they just came out of Egypt and the Egyptians get to worship these idols. And all they have to do is maybe go give them a sacrifice and then they can go and do whatever they want, whenever they want. And it's fine. But God does demand more of us. And God does demand, you know. Complete I think of our life. He, he demands less of us in terms of us doing less. Well, we're no longer, longer under law, and we do have to you know, lean into, into that grace that we're given. But, but he does call us to die daily, which is almost the greatest which, thing you could do in a day. And that's you, hard. You, you, have to do, have, you have to go and commit spiritual suicide every single day, which is a crazy concept. 
And so I think that's why like we can identify with the Israelites here because yes, they've seen God do all these great things and God has done a ton of great things in my life, right? But I still sin and they still turn their back on God. And even Aaron was the one who built the idol. Built the idol. He literally, other than Moses, had had the most interaction with God directly or should have known what was going on. And he still said, okay, you want this? Well, I'm just going to appease the people. I'm not going to, you know, try to stand up to you because I'm afraid of what you're going to do. And I think so often in my life, I'm so focused on, well, the world does this and the world says I should do this. And I, so I should do this instead of focusing on, yes, my life is radical and it is different. And I am not doing the things the world calls me to do. And that is okay. And I'm constantly struggling with, well, people look at my life and say, I'm not successful because I don't have a great career or I'm not making a ton of money, which I've talked about before, but I think that's such a, can be such a pitfall for people because if we're chasing that, um, what's the word, like acceptance, because I like praise and to be accepted. And so when I'm chasing that acceptance of the world, even though I know what God says, like it can be really difficult. And I think that's what we constantly see the Israelites because they wanted a king because they wanted to be like everybody else and that continually caused them problems. And so God calls us to something greater. God calls us out of the world and he calls us to be his John sixteen thirty three. And so I think that it's just, it's a huge calling. And so, it but I, I can identify with has literally <laughs> eternal magnitude. So my pull point of this is when you do find in your life that you have idols and you do screw up, instead of continuing in that, lean into the love of the cross, meet Jesus at the cross every single day. And if you do that, you'll be all right. You'll be solid because you'll constantly be refocused on the cross. And if you get, if you, if you get the cross, you'll get everything else. Everything else you need to know can, can come through the cross. So go to the cross daily, commit that spiritual suicide, or I don't know how you really want to word that, but the suicide of dying daily and meet Jesus at the cross every single day. Like, like we said last week, like, it's a prayer every single day to empty yourself, to be less human, to be more like Jesus. It, it's it's a constant prayer. And in order to get to that point, you have to you have to meet Jesus at the love with in his love at the cross. Yeah. You have to. You have I think to just just to try to like tie everything together here. Um it does it comes back down to the relationship that you have with God. And but like Cecilia is also saying, is when you're in relationship with God a lot is going to be demanded out of your life because you're going to be asked to give up everything other than God, but he will, he will provide. So you will be fine because he will fill that gap. But at times it's going to feel like it's going to feel like you're alone in this and it's going to feel like God isn't providing, but a lot of times it's just not in our timing. And so I think 10 42, only one thing is necessary. What is it? Acts 17. God is near. Mm -hmm. But I think that like, as I've been, so, I, this whole time I've been sitting here thinking like, okay, I know I have idols in my life at times. And that's why I identified so do. much with this passage in Exodus. And so I'm trying to think like, so what am I going to do when this happens in my life again? And you're right. It is running back towards the cross. Refocus and it really is cross. just refocusing back on Jesus with the expectation of that's going to demand a lot out of your life compared to the world. I think having somebody there to hold you accountable though too. And like, even just to talk to you about spiritual things. So obviously like going to church and meeting with, with other Christians is important, but I think also yes, having those, those other people in your life that you can go to and say, Hey, like I'm struggling with this and I need you to pray for me and I need your help because I, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to overcome this. And it's, it's digging those, 
those things out of you and ripping them out. But you, a lot of the time, you can't do that on your own. You have to have help. Well, I think we even see that bringing it back to Exodus. Like we see that in Exodus 33, like Moses had to go intervene on, not 33, in Exodus 32, Moses had to go intervene on the behalf of Israelites to God. And sometimes you're not going to have the strength or you're not going to have even the perspective to intervene for yourself. That's why it's so important to be in community, like Cecilia is saying, because sometimes it takes the strength of another believer to intervene on your behalf of God. And we, we know we have the Holy Spirit as as a um, inter- intercession for us in God. But still, like you need to be in that community with other believers, just like Moses, who intervened for the Israelites to intervene on your behalf with God as well. So that was a good point because we see that was the next step kind of for the Israelites as well. And I think repentance plays a huge role in this too. Yeah, because we have kind of not mentioned that. We completely fail and fall, and I completely fail and fall all the time because I, I like to be perfect, and I like to think that I'm perfect, and I like to seek other people's approval. And when I'm seeking those other people's approval, I'm not seeking God's approval. I'm mm-hmm. not. I my life is called to be radically different, and I am constantly having to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry because. I'm not seeking what you want me to do. I'm seeking what I think the world wants me to do. And that, and repentance plays such a huge role. And thanks, like, thank God that we have that ability to, all we have to do is say, God, I'm so sorry. And to actually meet it and change. And we don't have to go to the temple or the tabernacle. And kill and a cow. A, and you know, take a sheep. And, and, you just have to go to the cross. Yes. Yeah. Daily. Literally daily. You have to go to the cross. Yeah. Repentance. And that's the thing too, is like repentance isn't a one-time thing. So like when you, when you go to be baptized, we're called to repent. But repentance isn't a one-time act. It's something we continuously, I mean, even we see even Paul continually struggles with. There's that passage that talks about uh, he continues to do the sin that he does not I want do to do. Very, yeah. he, he says, I do the very thing that I hate. And so I think that's encouraging, should be encouraging to us too, because Paul uh, did some awesome and amazing things for, for the kingdom. But even he was struggling with, you know, like this sinful person, the old self was, holding on and he was constantly having to, you know, deny himself and continue mm-hmm. to follow Jesus. Yeah. Even when it was tough. Yeah. Robert, do you have something to close us out here? Um, if you're looking for something. You know me. You know me. I I kinda hit all my points in like five minutes. So so here's the big thing um that will this this hit me this hits me hard every day. First um, Peter three eighteen says, "For Christ also died for sins once for all, that just that the just for for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive, made alive in the spirit." So Christ died for sins once for all, for not only the just but also the unjust. So also when you are in sin, he died for you. Like that's a crazy concept that he took on all the sin. The sin I'm going to do in the future, the sin I've already done in my past, so I'm I'm free from that sin because of because of him dying for me, dying for me, and because of him doing that, I now have a hope of eternity. And if you focus on the hope of eternity and are built on the cornerstone, pursuing the cornerstone, if you're built on Jesus and you go to the cross daily, you have that grace and you have you're free from guilt and shame, and you have the hope of eternal life that you can read about read about in Revelation 21. If you haven't read that, please read that. And John sixteen thirty three, he's overcome the world. So you have all these, you have the way out. You you have the way to to peace and to happiness and to everything you need on earth. You you have that route. You just have to build yourself on the cornerstone, on the foundation of Jesus. Go to the cross daily. Commit suicide to yourself daily, in order to 
to reap those benefits of Jesus. Absolutely. I've got something real quick. Sorry. Go ahead. So I was sitting here thinking, like, I'm not sure what the verse is, but we're told behind every idol is a demon, especially like the ones that we see in the Old and New Testament, like the actual like statues and stuff. And I think that like when we're not, but when we're not worshiping Jesus and we're putting something else first, we really are worshiping Satan Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And well, if it's not of God, it's yeah, it's of Satan. It's of Satan. And so there's a story in the Old Testament. I think it's in First Samuel. And uh, the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. It was with the Philistines. And the Philistines put it in the temple with their God. And they went in the next day to go see, or to like go into their temple. And their idol had bowed down to the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God's uh, presence was sent to rest in Old Testament times. And just the power of that to them, like this is a stone idol. It doesn't just get, it doesn't bow down on its own, but just mm-hmm. the power, like, we should be encouraged because yes, we fail and we screw up and we don't always put God first, but just the power and the, like what Robert's talking about, even the power to overcome sin, what Jesus did for us, what a powerful example, what a powerful person we have on our side and just the encouragement that that calls us to. Yeah. So I would say just be encouraged in that and make sure that your focus is always coming back to the cross, like Robert said, and focusing on that relationship with Jesus and make sure that this week you're pursuing the cornerstone and we will see you guys next time. Life's about relationships, especially your relationship with Jesus. Please live for